Can I have everybody stand up? We want to welcome all our campuses, our micro sites. God bless y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. There are many things we are thankful for, and um, I and my family are thankful for, and we are thankful for you. Uh, thanks for coming to church today, and thank you for praying for our family. Um, uh, our mother is in hospice. She's been uh, at my sister's house for a couple of weeks, so we've been with her uh, day and night. And um, if you don't know what hospice is, you go through chemotherapy, which is actually rat poison, and it is horrible. And so they stopped it, and there's no medicine and no, just keeping her comfortable and uh, last few days she's been stronger and <laughs> doing good so but it's up and down roller coaster and that's what we've been dealing with. So we appreciate you praying for us and supporting us and uh, it's been amazing. It's been hard but been amazing and, and I also want to speak on behalf of all the other people who are dealing with a similar thing and I know I'm not the only one so uh, God knows what you're going through and uh, hopefully people from the church can be supporting you as well. Uh, amen. Uh, if there's one reason to have uh, take care of your kids when they're young is so they can take care of you when you get old. <laughs> you do not want to get old by yourself. Um, I firmly believe, and my sister and I, uh, who have been on this every day, other siblings are back east, they came and went, uh, uh, that she would be dead if her family wasn't dead. And uh, hospitals, they do what they do. They got a lot of people. Only your family can take care of you. And so I would, you know, if you know somebody who's sick, uh, if there's anything you can do for them, do it. Be a blessing to them. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for our church. Thank you for being family to us and being a support to us. And thank you for my family, uh, brothers and sisters and relatives and in-laws and everybody uh, that has been around us and come around us to support uh, my mother. And we pray you heal her. We pray very specifically, very clearly that we want you to heal her uh, and give her another, another run of healthy living. Enjoy her great grandkids, her grandkids, her family. Um, and we just thank you for her 80 years of life. And thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you transform our hearts today. Teach us something new. Challenge us to be different, to be better in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, say hello to someone near you. Give them a hug. Tell them God loves them. Something good. Hey, if you have a Bible, on the count of three, lift your Bibles up and say, word, one, two. <laughs> well, just trying to try keep, keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. One, two, three. Word. Very good. Let's turn to Exodus chapter three, the second book of the Bible, the third chapter. And we will be in a few minutes in chapter three, verse 13. In a few minutes, the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter three. Uh, a while back, my wife and I were at a restaurant, and we were sitting there eating, and someone sitting near us was from the church. They came over. We prayed, took a picture, then they left. Waiter was from the church, took a picture, prayed, and then he went about, did his job. The water guy from the church prayed, took a picture. <laughs> then the manager came over and prayed, took a picture. And, um, and, and by the way, if, we, if you see me out, please come say hi. I, I love people. My wife, is, she, she's more quiet, but I like to talk to everybody. So just feel free to come up and get a hug, take a picture, whatever you want to do. We pray for you. It don't matter. 
And um, there, was a, there was a couple sitting a couple tables over. They don't go to church. They don't know anything about who we are. And then they came over as they were leaving. And the guy came over and said, uh, excuse me. And I said, yes. He says, and I, you know, I'm expecting the same thing. He goes, who are you? <laughs> so I, I said, you know, how do you answer that question? So I said, my name is Miles. And he said, they don't tell me anything. I mean, there's got to be more to it than that. I said, I'm a pastor of a church. Uh, everyone say, I am. Say, I have. Say, I will. One more time. Actually, we're going to say it a whole bunch of times today. Say, I am. Say, I have. Say, I will. Satan's number one battle in your life is in your thoughts. It's a spiritual battle, but it's in your thoughts. And his number one topic about your thoughts is who are you? It's your identity. It's I am, what you have or don't have, and what you will or won't do. I am, I have, I will. It is very important for you to know who you are in Christ. And I'm not talking about your physical uh, who you are. Now, if you want to know who you are physically, you look in a mirror. But if you want to know who you are spiritually, which is what we're talking about, you look at the Bible. The Bible is going to tell you who you are. And what the Bible says is that you were made in God's image to reflect the glory of God, to express the glory of God and the love of God, to rule and have dominion over the earth the way God would, to forgive and encourage people and to coexist with other people the way God does. That's your purpose. And to glorify God in all the earth. The devil understands that. And if you understand who you are in Christ, you understand your name, your identity, I am. You understand what you have because of who you are. And you will understand what you are supposed to do because of what you have. That's who you are. You're not just a Christian and then you go to church. No, you are a Christian that has a relationship with God and has access to all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And you are to access that to glorify God in the kingdom and to destroy the works of the devil and to declare and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Are y'all following what I'm saying? That's who you are. The problem is the devil has convinced many believers that you are not that, you are less than. Not that you are I am, you are I am not. The devil has convinced you not I have, I have not. Not I will or can, but I cannot. So there are many Christians who God has given you an incredible title, relationship, position in heaven. We're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks or actually next week. Your actual position in heaven spiritually as a believer, you are seated at the right hand of the Father. The Father is right here. He's not way up there. Spiritually, you are right here next to the Father. In Christ, we're going to talk about that next week, and that you, can, that you have access to the throne of God. But yet the devil has convinced you, you're way down here hiding under a rock, and that God has managed you, and that your prayers are never going to be answered, and that you are less than, and that you should be happy with whatever you get. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be, should be thankful for what God gives you, but just like, okay, God, if you just answer one prayer a week, I'll be happy. God says, no, I want you to cry out to me every day, and I want you to expect miracles in your life every day. But the devil has you in bondage. And by the way, he, the devil will redefine who you are contrary to what this says. And in that redefinition, he will imprison you because you let him, because you believe it. He will imprison you in that false identification of who you are. And because you are in prison, then you are now convinced, since I'm in prison in this less than 
category than what God says I am because I don't believe the Bible. I believe the devil. And you may not be saying that in your head, but that's what's happening going on. That's why you need to read the Bible every day and have your mind renewed. That's why you need to pray and be in fellowship and be around people who are talking life into you instead of death. <laughs> you, can speak, you can listen to death all day long. You watch the news, you're listening to death. The news is garbage. I don't care whether you're on the Fox side, the CNN side, the MSNBC side. It don't matter what side you're on. It's all garbage. And if you let that stuff fill your head, fill your head, and it's the us and them and all this division in our culture, and God says, all that's from the, from the devil. Amen. Speak life. Speak life and, and to know who you are. And if you read this book, and believe what God said instead of what your critics say. Because if you believe what your critics say, he has a stronghold. You are in bondage. You are telling yourself a lie over and over again about what you are not. You are telling yourself a lie about what you do not have. You are telling yourself a lie about what you could never do. Some of us, and I say us because I do every day deal with this, before I open my eyes, I'm hearing in my head what I am not. What will never happen. Don't get out of bed. The day is already, it's so bad, it's not even worth getting out of bed. Just about every day. And I got to, remember we talked about, you got to get up mad at the devil. You got to get up jacked up. Remember we talked about, let's go devil. I got to, we got to fight because it's a battle because we are in a war. How many kingdoms in this, how many kingdoms in the spiritual world? And there is the kingdom of, the kingdom of, everyone say God, please. Y'all couldn't have forgotten this so soon. The kingdom of what? And the kingdom of the what? And you got to fight. Now, we're going to look at today who God is. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. And if we understand who God is, we can understand how we're supposed to be. You're not supposed to create your own image. Sorry. You can do your own hair. God gave you creativity. Make your own hair. Do whatever it wants to do. You can do your own mascara and all that kind of stuff. Whatever you want to do. But, but, you're not, but, but God created you. By the way, the reason we have life class, the reason we, we have our group, so you can understand how God designed you. Take the pressure off. <laughs> Don't try to create a human. God already created you. That's a big big deal. So when Moses in this story is going to ask God, who are you? God's going to answer him. And guess what God's going to say? Say, I am. Say, I will. I mean, I'm sorry. Say, I am. Say, I have. And say, I will. That's what God's going to tell him. He's going to say, I am, I have, and I will. Why is this important? Because if you know who God is, because you were made in the image of God, then you're supposed to know, you will know how you are supposed to be. The devil wants you to worship him by being like him, being negative and a liar and a gossip and tearing people down. That's what the devil wants you to be. He wants you to be one of his kids. God says, I want you to be one of my kids. And if you're my daughter or son, you be like me. So let's read the story. Chapter 3. There's 2 million or so Jews in captivity in Egypt. Moses is 80 years old, and this is the first day of his official ministry. He started his ministry at 80. It took God 80 years to prepare Moses. How many of y'all are under 40 right now? How many of y'all are under 40? Just raise your hand. All y'all you, all, all under 40. And when you're young, you feel like, I can do anything. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. God took 80 years. The brother had to get a cane in order to be ready. Take your time. Slow it down. And, they, and Moses out there, he's getting the sheep, and, and, and he's out there uh, trying to find the sheep, and, and he sees this burning bush. The bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. And he goes over to the bush, and the bush, bush starts to talk to him, which is a miracle in and of itself, that fire would talk to you. And then what's even another miracle is that you would talk back to the fire. 
So Moses having this conversation, and God says to him, I'm going to paraphrase so we get to, the, to verse 13. He says, look, my people are in Egypt. They're in bondage, and I, I, I've heard the cries of my people, and I'm sending you to go deliver them. And Moses, 80-year-old, by the way, Moses murdered somebody, so he's a murderer. He was an orphan. He was orphaned into Pharaoh's home, and so he's an orphan. He's a fugitive because he's been running since 40 years because he killed the guy 40 years previous. So he's, he's dealing, he's just a shepherd. He's like just trying to pass his days along. And he says, Moses, I got something bigger for you than you could ever ask or imagine. You're going to go back and deliver the people that you just came from. And you're going to go back to the most powerful nation in the, in the world at this time, the most advanced nation in the world at this time, and you're going to go deliver them. So Moses' first thing, he had five excuses. We're not going to get into those. He says, who am I? And God says, nobody, but I'll be with you, so don't worry about it. And then he says, and by the way, that's very important. If you ever feel like you are not adequate to do what God called you to do, you're not. Because it's not you doing it. It's God doing it. It really is. When people get saved, I don't save them. It's God saving you. There's some of you, God's speaking to you about your life right now. He's just tripping you out. You're thinking, he's talking to me. I ain't talking to you because I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know your business. I don't need to know your business. The Holy Spirit's doing it. You just got to have by faith to do your role. And so Moses says, who am I? He says, Moses, you're, you're, you're just my guy. So I'll be with you. I got your back. Don't worry about it. But then he asks another question. Moses says, who am I? And then he says, who are you? They're going to ask me, when I go back and tell the Jews that you sent me, who, who are you? Everybody say, I am. I say, I have. I have. Say, I will. I when we understand that that's how God answered Moses, when we understand who God is, then we can understand who we are. And hopefully in this process, here's my, my, my hope in this process, because we're going to do a whole five-week series on this topic, uh, is that you, your mind would be renewed that you could start thinking about yourself accurately. That when you look yourself in the mirror and you see that your hair does this but you want it to do this and you trust the mirror that tells you your hair is going this way when you want it to go this way. Oh, by the way, when you get up and it's going all of these ways and you want it to go one way, you trust what the mirror is telling you and then you comb it. Can I get an amen? That you trust that this shirt don't look this way. You gotta, and how many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning before you came to church? Some of y'all are like, I ain't looking in the mirror. I'm just cute. I don't need to look in the mirror. Y'all are lying. <laughs> How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning or today sometime? Very good. How many of y'all never looked in the mirror? How many of y'all didn't look in the mirror? Anybody not look in the mirror? God bless you. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you look in the mirror, you trust the mirror. Trust the mirror. Trust what this says. Because look at who God is. Look what he says. Chapter 3, verse 13. It says, God said to, Moses said to God, God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what's his name? Who is he? What should I tell them? Everybody in, everybody in church, all the campuses say, I am. I say, I have. I say, I will. I Look what he says. And God said to Moses, I am. <laughs> Who I am. We'll get back to that in a minute. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He is the ultimate I am. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial to all generations. Go gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared saying, I have. Everyone say, I have. Ooh, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. 
And, and I have said, say, I will. I will bring you up out of the affliction of, the, of Egypt to a land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, the Uptite, and Adesite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Everyone say, I am. I say, I have. I say, I will. Here's what God said. Here's my name. By the way, number one of your notes is your identity is your name. In this context, it is your name, the name that God has given you. It is I am. He says I, God's name is I am. What does that mean? I always was. I had no beginning. It's very important to understand God is not dependent on anything or anyone to exist. His character, his value, his power, his ability, his love for you is not dependent on anything other than himself and it is unchanging. He always was, I'll get to that in a minute because he had no beginning. He's the uncaused cause. He's the beginningless beginner. He is now, and he always will be. Now, you might want to say, how could, how could God not have a beginning because everything has to have a beginning? The reason you know everything has to have a beginning is because science tells us that everything has to have a beginning. Science is the study of natural things. Science doesn't cause things to happen. It tells you how they happen. It's very important for you to understand. So when, when, when we look at chemistry, math, biology, they are telling you how things function. We observe it, we test it, and then we say, here's how it functions. Here's how it functions, here's how we can predict it if we do this. Well, that's what science does. It doesn't make it happen, it doesn't create it, it tells you what has already been created. But one thing science will tell you is that everything has to have a beginning, that nothing, if you have nothing, nothing can cause anything to happen. Something had to start it. Now, I want to give you, give you an example. If you look at the universe, just imagine the universe is in a big basketball, a very big basketball, and this is the universe. Everything we know to exist is in this basketball, and this basketball is expanding at the speed of light. The Bible says that God stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and science observes that the universe is expanding at the speed of light. So Bible, which said it before science discovered it, says that God is doing this to the universe at the speed of light. That's a bad brother right there. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay, so the universe is expanding at the speed of light. Everything within the universe is, is understood through scientific theories. We understand it. We look at it. We didn't make it. Science didn't make it. We just know it's there and we go, how do we figure out how it works? Science tells us that. And everything in the universe, the science leads us to believe that everything has to have a beginning. Well, then how could God be beginningless? Who made God? Here's the trick. God says, nothing made me, I always was. Well, the rules within the basketball dictate that nothing can always just be. Here's the thing. God exists outside the universe. He created the universe. He created time. But he exists outside with a whole different rule set that we don't understand. It's called the kingdom of God. And that's why we have to pray to help us understand how things work in the kingdom of God and not how things work in the kingdom of man. In the kingdom of man, i got to talk about people and beat them down if I'm going to get ahead. In the kingdom of God, you serve them. It's the opposite. In the kingdom of man, you got to hate your enemy. In the kingdom of God, you love your enemy. It's the opposite. Different rules. And one of the rules in the kingdom of God is that God says, uh, I had no beginning. That means if I had no beginning, that means I will never leave you. That means you can't shake me. You can't destroy me. You can't minimize me. Your 
the critics of your enemies can't destroy me. They can't minimize me. They can't get rid of me. You will never be alone. So when the devil tells you alone, my very name says you can't be alone. Do you, have to, do you understand what I'm saying? So you are not this person who's reading the Bible trying to figure it out, do it by yourself. That's what the devil wants you to believe. That's not who you are. You are the son, the child, an ambassador of a king who always was, who is, and who always will be. Never for eternity. You are an eternal being in an eternal relationship. By the way, some of y'all might not have a relationship with God. We're going to give you that in about 15 minutes, an opportunity to have a relationship with this God because he loves you so much and he's been patiently waiting to establish an eternal, unending relationship. And look, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Come on. I am. Number two, <laughs> number two, your authority, what comes with your identity is authority. I have the resources that you have access to. Every single one of your names in the spiritual comes with authority, resources. <laughs> you are never resourceless. You are never empty-handed. You are never powerless. You are the complete opposite. What makes people anxious is they feel like they don't have something. They feel powerless. They don't know there's so much uncertainty when you have complete certainty. I don't know how people, we do, when I do funerals, I don't know how people do death without God. Oh, how do you do death without God? You have zero certainty. Because you haven't died and don't know what's on the other side. You just have hope. But because Jesus died and rose, he gave us certainty. That because I died and rose and you believe in me, you will die and rise. Matter of fact, his resurrection is in what they call a first fruit, a deposit on your resurrection. Look what it says in the Bible. Look what it says, chapter, thir- chapter 3, verse 16. Go gather the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared and he said, I have surely visited you and seen what has been done to you in Egypt. What do you have? Hmm. You have the presence of God. I'm there with you. God is there with every single one of you. Now, some of you may well, how come he hasn't fixed my problem? Because God is not about fixing problems. He's about making people holy. And it's much more difficult, I should say difficult, it's an obstacle for him to fix the problem if you're not giving the problem to him. On his terms. Accepting responsibility for the problem you created. Confessing the problem, walking away from the problem, stop sleeping with the problem, <laughs> stop smoking the problem. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? God, just fix it. I'm going to do what I want, but you fix it. God says, I, that's not kind of relationship this is. You have the presence of God. You know what comes with the presence of God? Everything God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that all the blessings in the heavenly places are available to you. A, a friend of mine had a vision. A dream, and in the dream, Jesus was standing in front of a vault of money. The vault was open. It was just cash. Money's a metaphor for good things, okay, in this, in this story. That's all it means. Don't take it any further. And there was a line of people walking up to Christ. And when they got to Christ, Jesus said, how much do you want? He goes, and the first dude looked around like, for real? How about 100 grand? I got that in my pocket. I don't need to go back there. Here you go. Boom. 
Guy walks away. Next brother comes up. Hey, how much do you want? He goes, hey, how about 250? He has no problem. Boom, boom. Here's 250. And, and on and on. Everybody just kept coming up with their number. And my friend is in a dream. He's walking up. And he's thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And he gets up to the front of the line. And Jesus says to my friend, what do you want? He goes, I want it all. You know what God says? Ask for it all. Because if you, if you got it all, this is how good God is. Because God got cattle on a thousand hills, which is metaphor for he got unlimited resources. If he gives it all to you, he'll just make more for me. In other words, <laughs> let me say it this way. I could go to God, God said, give me all. And he gives me all. And you can come right next to him after me and say, God, give me all. And he gives all to you. And the next person can say the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. And he and here's what the devil said. The devil said, oh, just, you know, God, God doesn't love you that much because you're not really his child. Therefore, you really don't have access. You really don't have favor. So just ask for a little bit. And you come up to God because you are not sure who you are in his eyes. You've adopted the devil's definition of who you are because of how people treated you. And people's treatment of you puts you in prison in a false identity about who you are instead of what the Bible says who you are. And so you come to God thinking you are less than, that he's angry, that he's not loving, he's not gracious, he's not forgiving. And you go, God, can I just have this? And he goes, that's all you want? I'm telling you, no, God has given you his very presence. And what comes with his very presence is all of his power, all of his love. All of his wisdom. And he's waiting for you to access it by faith and say, Lord, I don't. And by the way, here's a perfect prayer. God, I am a really prideful person. I'm a lustful person. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm so sorry, but can you just love me? He says, that's all I need. You're never going to earn. If you come to God thinking you're going to earn a blessing because of how good you say you are, that's the opposite. Think about this. You know, God, you know, I'm a, I'm a really good dude and, you know, uh, I, you know I'm serving in ministry. And, you know, I'm, I'm leading all these people to the Lord. Can, can you just give me this in exchange? God's like, that's not how we play, homie. That's not, that's not how we do things. All that stuff you just said that you do, I did it. You helped the lady across the street, that was me. You know you didn't want to do that. And you know the only reason you did it because you saw that cute girl in the car in the front of the row that you were going to walk in front of, you were going to give her the high sign. That, come on. God knows everything. And what you have, he told the Israelites, I know your pain. I'm right there. You have my compassion. You have my attention. You have my presence. Authority. And number three is activity. I will. The responsibilities associated with your name and your resources. My brothers and sisters, God has not blessed you with stuff for you. I'm not saying you can't enjoy your house, enjoy your money, enjoy your, 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 your family. Absolutely enjoy it. But open your hands and say, God, how do you want me to enjoy it? Do you want me to hoard it just to myself? What do you want me to share? Of course, share. <laughs> with whom I say, how I say, when I say. Not who you feel like it. Because the devil's going to tell you, only share with those people you think deserve it. Do you think you deserve God's love? The answer be no. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of deserving the glory of God. 
but that God so loved us that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God died for sinners. Jesus, who had no sin, died for sinners. Look what, look what God says to Moses in verse 17. He says, Moses, I am that I am. I have seen and visited my children and seen their pain. Therefore, I will bring them up out of affliction. What does this tell us about God? That God is a God of redemptive promises. <laughs> what does that mean? That God is a God who saves people, forgives people, encourages people, delivers people. God is a God who understands what you go through and has ways and means to save you, not for yourself, but for himself, that he would deliver you. Why is that important to you and me? Because every title he gives you that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, every I am statement about you, every I have statement about you, every I will statement about you is going to be not only about your position and relationship with God and what he has given you, but how he wants to glorify himself and fulfill his redemptive promises through you. In other words, we lay our life down for our brothers and sisters just like he did it for us. The devil will tell you the opposite because you are a poor beggar. You need to hold on to everything you have because you may not get another chance. That is not the gospel. And that is not the heart of God. The heart of God is that I am eternal. I own everything you could imagine. And then even more. And I love you. And I want to pass it through you. And let me tell you, it will be so much more enjoyable to pass it through you than for you to hold on to it. Because if you hold on to it, you're probably just going to get what you can hold on to. If you let it pass through, more goodness is going to pass through your life than you can ever hold on to. And this is all, this is, this, is, this is words of speaking life to people. These are things, these are opportunities, these are comforts. However God wants to share or shower his hope and love through you. We need to reflect that heart of God. And so when we read the Bible about who we are, we are eternal. We have the presence of God. And we are here to fulfill the redemptive promises of God that people would know him and walk in the power of his love. There are some of you in here right now that you've been beat down with lies about who you are not, what you will never have, what you can never do. My prayer is that the next few weeks, God would renew your mind. And you would say to yourself over and over again, I am. I have and I will. But there are some of you in here, you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. You're trying to work out pleasing God in your own strength. Let me tell you something, you're wasting your energy. It's by faith we were saved, by faith. The Bible says the righteous man shall walk by faith. Faith to believe that I'm a sinner. Everyone say I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned. That means you, your mama, and everybody else. It don't mean you're a criminal. It just means that you are flawed. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death, physical and spiritual death. Physical death, this goes into a, a box. Spiritual death, you are eternally separated from God. 
The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that penalty of sin is death. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ, who existed outside the basketball in eternity. John 17, he says, Father, glorify me with the glory we had before the basketball, the heavens and the earth. They existed before the basketball. Jesus didn't come on the scene when Mary, when he was born of Mary. He was in the scene in the Old Testament, and he was in the scene on the scene before the Old Testament was written. He died and rose from the dead. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll get a new name. Saved, born again, child of God. You will have something you didn't have five minutes ago. The presence of God living in you. And God will impose on your life something you need to do. Obey him. Obey him. Let him work out his salvation from the world through your life and whatever role you would play. So in all the campuses, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I want you to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about who you are. I want you to think about all the lies that you've been told about who you are. All the bad words, the critical descriptions, the things that you were told you would never do, never be. But yet inside of you is burning something telling you there is more to life than what you have and you don't believe those lies. You know God loves you and has more for you because that is the truth. If you realize that you are a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned and you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior. I'm going to have you pray this prayer in the privacy of your heart. But you must pray by faith, believing that God loves you and he knows He has visited you. He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. In the privacy of your heart, pray, dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus loves me. I believe he died and rose from the dead for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart and be my savior. Help me understand my new identity. Help me understand who I am, what I have, and what I'm supposed to do. Thank you, God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed and all the campuses, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand in every single campus, microsites, and somebody's going to be there to pray with you. If there's somebody next to you that you would like to stand with you, to encourage you and support you, just squeeze their hand, their shoulder. Let them know you want them to stand with you. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you prayed that prayer, you are God's child. You have nothing to be ashamed of and everything to be excited about. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We see you up in the balcony. God bless you. We see you. God bless 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 you. 
Now we're going to ask all those people in a minute, all those people standing, we're going to ask you to come down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you got to do is turn around and walk up and the ushers will bring you down. And then after we get them down here, we're going to take communion together. So it's not a time to leave, but we want to celebrate. So all the people who are standing, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar. Let's give them a hand. Come on down. Come on, church. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Right there, good. God bless you. 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 How are you? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Come on down. Come on down. Let's give him a hand. Come on down. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Let's give him a hand. Let's give him a hand. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Let's give his brother a hand. God bless you. 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 How are you? <laughs> uh, y'all may be seated. Y'all may be seated. Amen. Let's give these people a hand. Is that coming from downstairs? Come on, let's give them a big hand. Let's encourage them as they come on down. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, y'all get out. You'll get out your cup in uh, communion real quick if you don't have it. And if you don't have a communion down here, just raise your hand. We'll get the ushers to bring, bring them right behind you. Right behind you. Take out the bread on the top. Many of us have been taking communion for a long time. And we see it as a religious ritual that we should do and it, we should. But what we need to keep in mind is that when we take this bread, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you. We need to remember that this is a reminder that Jesus' physical body was beat and nailed to wood. Whipped, thorns in his head, face beat, beard pulled out, slapped, spit on, hit with rods. His back was whipped for us. And he says, when you think of me, I want you to think of this. I don't want you to think of, you know, all the blessings you're going to get and how your life is going to be much easier. That's not necessarily going to happen. Uh, you're going to have, I'm going to empower you to get through your problems. But I want you to remember, I gave my life for you. You give your life for me. It's not about you. This is Jesus talking. It's about me. Him. So that's what this reminds us. Okay, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. I have to serve you. I have to glorify you. When people meet me, they need to meet you. When people encounter me, they need to encounter you. When people hear me talk, they need to hear you talking. That's what it's about. So we have to constantly be telling this is not about me. It's about Jesus. I have to have my mind renewed so I can understand who I am, what I have, and what I'm supposed to do. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for being an example to us. 
Thank you for the spirit of God that lives in us. We take this remembering who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Open up the top very carefully. Without blood shed, there is no forgiveness of sin because the penalty of sin is death and life is in the blood. Our blood is sinful, so therefore you can't pay for your own sin. Jesus paid for you. His blood was sinless. Simple. We take this reminding ourselves, not only did his blood forgive our sin, pay for our sin, we are forgiven. So when the devil tells you you're not forgiven, you say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, rem- I get reminded every time I do this, fool, so get behind me, Satan. Are you following me? When the devil tells you God's mad at you, hold on, hold on, hold on. He forgave me. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be holy, but don't walk around with a burden that God's mad at you because he's not. He may be disappointed. Why'd you do that? Okay, let's move on. Restore you. That's what he does. But he's not mad at you. He loves you. Lord, thank you so much for forgiving us. Thank you that you remember our sin no more. So when the devil brings up stuff that we've confessed, may we be reminded that you forgot all about it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to ask all of y'all to take a right turn, and we're going to give them a cheer as they go this way. Let's give them a hand. God bless you. Let's give them a hand this way. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's give them a hand. Come on, church. Come on, church. See the two quick things. Two quick things. Number one, bring a friend. Bring a friend. Every week, try to bring somebody. Okay? It will challenge your faith a whole lot more than coming by yourself. And number two, every week, we're going to talk about I am, I will, I have. I want you to be thinking that all the time. Because I want to renew your mind. The Bible says that you must renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can pray all you want, but if you think the same things, you're not going to change. So you start thinking, thinking, thinking. Say this over and over again and come every week and learn who you are so you can know what you have and so you can know what you have been empowered and commissioned to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. In closing, we have our pastoral support team that would love to connect with you. So if you guys need someone to chat with, get some counseling, get some prayer. Please join us right after the service. You know, you get the bulletins every Sunday. I just want to encourage you guys, take a look at them. There's so many great activities, opportunities, ministries. Some of those can change your life. You You can meet your spouse there. If you already have one, you're not meeting your spouse there. Take your spouse with you. 
But you can change someone's life. Your life can be changed. You know, we have amazing opportunities. Don't miss out. You know, Toys for Joy is right around the corner. We got a couple weeks left. And I know this is a generous church that loves getting involved. The response for serving has been great. We thank you. We're also still collecting toys. If you text the word toys to the number 52525, it'll give you a, a, just a list of, a wish list of, of, of toys that the kids are longing for. Of course, we've got our prayer every Saturday from 9 to 10 here. Join us. This year has been dedicated to prayer. We have our live class. Speaking of understanding your identity, is going to learn more about the church, more about who you are, more about the church's mission, which is save, equip, and send. And, of course, we have the women's event right around the corner May God bless you guys. Have a great San Diego Sunday, and we'll see you guys next week. God bless you guys.